often a game we play here on ECL is Would You Eat It? Oh, yeah. You know, the Sugar Bowl and Brains Family's Ice Cream Shop, they're known for their kind of, let's say, askew, off-kilter concoctions. Uh, and, you know, someone like Buster, who is a certified sicko, <laughs> you know, loves to eat that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But us real folks, maybe not so much, though. There's been some that I've been adventurous enough to say I'd try. Okay. Though it seems that kind of the ice cream concoctions of Arthur have crossed over into real life because the internet has been asunder oh, this past right. week. Yeah, yeah. With uh, a certain a certain uh, concoction mm-hmm. uh, that's ice cream related. Yes. And I have a feeling, Will, <laughs> that you would be none too fine of it. Uh, none too, none too, uh, not a, not a big fan. Uh, of this, do you want to tell the the folks at home what we're talking about? Sure, um, I'll, I'll I'll let me let me spring off of of what you're bringing up here by saying that normally, in these situations where we're talking about the food that we see on Arthur here on Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast, you are typically in the camp of you would try it. You have a. I'll try anything once. Yes. I'm, I'm not afraid of sweet and savory. That is a key element, too. Right. Is that often they're like, it's fish ice cream, fish oil ice cream, or whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, and, you know, a little bit of umami flavor do, does not scare me, but I understand that these are often extreme. Sure. And I'm and I'm somebody who's just like, well, I, I, I don't think of myself as not adventurous when it comes to trying food. But when you get into extreme stuff like we've talked about, it's just <laughs> like I don't have that much of a of a spirit of, of, of adventurousness about it. So what Lucas is referring to is something that is beginning to catch on on the Internet, at least on on the spaces that we frequent. And that is the combination of ice cream and olive oil. And a little bit of sea salt. And a little bit of sea salt, salt. right. Okay. So, yeah, I was, it was funny. When I saw your reaction to this on your Twitter, I follow you on Twitter, (laughs) that same day, my wife Jenna and I were like, you see this stuff about the, like the ice cream and the (laughs) olive oil? And we're both just like, yeah, that that sounds disgusting. And then who else but Lucas Mancini on his timeline is just like, would Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I like, you know, I'm like a Roman centurion, Will. I'll drink olive oil. <laughs> I'm serious. I'll have that on everything. Um, and something about, like, the flavor profile of, and I, it would be even better if it's a French vanilla. But, like, a French vanilla. Okay. Because, okay, sea salt and chocolate, right? This is an established mm-hmm. norm. You know, you cannot like it, but everybody, they, they sell it at the grocery store, so it's not crazy. That's that's established. So yeah, yeah. we already have that kind of mix. And then, like, vanilla, vanilla extract, vanilla flavor, there are savory things you can combine it with. And I feel like the ever-so-subtle taste of olive oil, I don't know, I really want to try it. Uh, but I have not. This okay. segment would probably be a lot better if I did try it <laughs> since then. With I'm not one to keep ice cream in the home, though I do ca- to keep a hefty, hefty amount of olive oil in the home. I'm not one to keep ice cream around. In case, you, uh, in case you didn't know, this Lucas Mancini is an Italian man. Like, I don't that's know. That's true. It's true. It is cultural before you come for me and my olive oil. Um, how about this? This will be a good way to uh, encourage people to subscribe to the Patreon. We're, we're going to put the, the ice cream olive oil results behind the paywall. I will try mm. it. 
uh, mm. before we do the next uh, four pay episode, uh, and then we will I will report the results. And I'll be honest too; I'm not one to uh, lie just so I win an argument. <laughs> if it's really bad, which I saw some people, because half the people on Twitter were talking about like it's this secret delicacy, and then there was the people who were like, "The girlies told me this was good," <laughs> and I had to throw it all my ice cream. So we will see uh, which side I come down on. There you go. That's I mean that's that's perfectly in lockstep with the type of content that we have on our Patreon. Uh, not just extra podcasts, but extra videos. And I've done a few videos in my time of me trying different foods from Arthur or other shows, including uh, uh, one time uh, tried something from the Magic School Bus. So this fits perfectly well in. So if that sounds something you're interested in, uh, we'll get into our Patreon plugs in a little bit, and you can find out where you can see Lucas try the now viral ice cream and olive oil. I'll be very interested to receive the news of this myself. Better you than me to get to give this a, give this a try. <laughs> But yes, everybody, welcome to Elwood City Limits. My name's Will Young, by the way. We're pretty much already begun the episode. So yeah, this, that's some stuff that you can expect on our Patreon pretty soon. Uh, of course, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits is where you can go to uh, access the show a week early. We have a week early episodes there. We also have our side podcasts, and we're going to have a new episode of our of our first side podcast that we started now simply called for the kids because we're branching outside of the pbs uh umbrella and so we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the episode if you've been listening to the episodes this month you already know what's coming but in case not it's going to be a pretty good one that's patreon.com slash elwood city limits and we have some lovely people who support us over there who i would like to take a moment to thank a few of them by name people such as stella and ross ward people like matt and yoshi all the best yoshi valeria and michelle sprzinski thank you to greenhouse vinyls and bob Yee. thank you to eddie castillo and veronica tram thank you to nehemiah unimuk as well and to americana dream and thank you to Katie. Thank you to Alicia and Thunder Yetta. And finally, thank you to Stanley Fryman and Emma Gray Beal. And if it's been a while since you've heard your name, let me know over on Patreon or on our ECL Discord, which is a private uh, chat space where we have been talking about all kinds of stuff. I do also have an email here. We've been getting regular correspondences from a certain someone, and I've been very much enjoying it. But if you would like to give your two cents on anything we talk about on the show, anything about Arthur you'd like to bring up, or just anything you'd like to hear us talk about, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. But of course, this one is coming from the steadfast Ashley Hollingsworth. Here's what Ashley has to say. A few episodes ago, Will mentioned picking up Hypnospace Outlaw from Steam. Have you checked it out yet? I was happy to hear that you were picking it up because it's a great, surreal, and weird game. Yes, I did start Hypnospace Outlaw. Um, I, I, am, I must admit, I played about an hour, hour and a half, and I'm officially stuck. It is something of an adventure-slash-puzzle game, so I, I want to get back to it very soon, but then... Uh, I got sick over the Christmas break, and then I am back to work, so I haven't had as much time to spend on it, but I'm really enjoying it so far. I love the way it looks. It's basically uh, recapturing the feeling of 
the internet in the 1990s. And it may be lost on some of our younger listeners, but for those of you who are of similar age to Lucas and I, I think you'll get a really big kick out of it. Uh, Ashley says, I highly recommend a game called Broken Reality, a self-described parody of the internet. It also plays with themes of vaporwave and old school internet, but this time you're exploring trippy worlds and settings that will take you back to the days of dial-up AOL. It's one of my favorites. I hope you check it out. Also, Will, you and I have the same appreciation for the written word, I too keep all my cards. Uh, Now, I'm a bit pickier. If you just give me a card, sign your name, and write nothing else, that's going in the trash. But if someone took the time to write something heartfelt, uh, I tend to keep those. It's funny you mentioned handwriting essays in college because you didn't like to type. I did the same thing, and I even did it throughout college. I used to insist on writing all my drafts with pen and paper. It was a lot of pressure. I was much more comfortable writing my drafts in hand. These days, I'm comfortable starting drafts on computers. Uh, yeah, I, I I like wrote in a in a journal recently and just like had to I always have to like cool myself down and I realized why I don't write long form anymore is because my hand doesn't move as fast as my thoughts do but my fingers typing do and so frequently I have to like stop and let my uh, motor function catch up to what my imagination is having me write down which is why I don't write long form anymore because usually I death grip that sucker that pencil as hard as I can, and then I just end up hurting my hand a little bit. Uh, back catalog update. I just finished season 16, and I'm moving on to season 17. I'm so close to being all caught up. Quick thoughts on season 16. I liked it as a whole a lot more than I remembered. A lot of good episodes I really enjoyed. Unfortunately, the season finished off the same way it started, weak. The best day ever just felt lazy. I really enjoyed hearing your thoughts on So Funny I Forgot to Laugh because I absolutely despised this episode when I first saw it. It's so out of character for Arthur, and it's so mean. It feels meaner than the teasing Francine used to do. Now that I've rewatched it and seen the discussion around it, I'm a bit cooler on it. As you and Cash mentioned, the point of the episode is to show anyone can be a bully, even people we consider our friends. The episode is still not one I'm dying to rewatch, and at least I can appreciate the message it was going for. Until next time. So that's from Ashley, and remember, you can always email us whether you're on the Patreon or not. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And we'll, as I said, talk about Patreon a little bit later, so let's get into this Arthur episode. It's uh, We're running out of road here with Season 19, and we're talking about Francine's Cleats of Strength, which I'm glad to see a Francine episode here this one obviously having to do with soccer and the cold open is pure purely functional it's all about Francine it's another soccer game against Mighty Mountain and Francine needs to get this goal to tie up the game to give them a chance to win Francine misses this soccer goal because her cleats fall apart literally the 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 base of the cleat just falls completely off they are donezo we do, we do see a bit of Oliver Frensky in this episode, but unfortunately, as with most cases, it's not the Oliver Frensky that we want to see. It's not the wacky and fun Oliver. It's, again, very functional. He's just being dad. So Oliver buys for Francine a new pair of cleats, but Francine wants this more expensive pair. So we got a couple of fits here oh, to talk we gotta, about. Yeah, let, let's let's get into it. So Oliver, you could tell, went to the Payless or something. He's getting the 1999, the Adidas with four stripes, you know, these gaudy kind of neon yellow cleats. I kind of uh, like them. on the other hand. I, I, like, I got well, to be real with you. I kind of like them. 
Francine, on the other hand, she's a little bit of a hype beast, okay? <laughs> she's trying to pick up, you know, the streets. I hear, Will, the streets are going crazy for these. Okay, uh, Nike Dunks, uh, what are you, three years ago? Uh, faux posits, what is it, 2014? No, 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 no. And, and I'm not even talking Sambas, that's so 2022. The tarantulas have got the streets a buzz, okay? <laughs> and I know it's weird that I would say a buzz because, you know, that's more of a bee thing. And we're talking about the tarantulas here. Yeah. But the tarantulas, they're going crazy, okay? All the stars are wearing them. And I'll say this, okay? The tarantulas are obviously supposed to be, and this might be a case of inflation, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't think this episode's that old. If you're buying a new pair of sneakers especially like athletic shoes Hmm. and it's anything but payless you're probably i mean and this is also in cad i think things get closer to like 70 dollars usd but canadian most new athletic sneakers are like 100 bucks no matter what yeah fine yeah 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 Um, so for the tarantulas which are these kind of i mean you're gonna be posting the screen caps they kind of have to be seen to be believed yeah. I don't even know what to compare them to. They they have it all they're like black with green and red and white accents. It's like mainly a black shoe with uh spider web kind of on the sides and on the front. Uh and then the tongue uh kind of has a copyright infringing Spider Man logo in red. <laughs> um and for a shoe this busy and this crazy and that's getting a full magazine spread in, what is the magazine she's reading? Sports, Sport Pro Stars? <laughs> for a shoe that can afford the, the main spread Pro Stars, 100 bucks actually ain't that bad. But, you know, in this economy, we know that Francine and her sister share a room. Her dad is a garbage man, which, though I think is actually a pretty okay unionized job. Mm-hmm. Um, Francine, you know, is of a certain... A socioeconomic strata and so her dad is quick to point out that he can't necessarily afford the whole hundred bucks for these tarantulas but he'll go splitsies on her with her the other thing to consider is that these are these aren't just sneakers they're cleats so these are only for being used during soccer so it can only be used like i don't know four or five months out of the year when when soccer season some, is around some crazy people some people literally do wear cleats as really? walking around shoots oh there's a famous person that you wouldn't expect that i'm trying to think of that wears like cleats all the time but they're like a boomer and it, it, it's like a weird fashion thing but anyway that is a thing that some people do in, in huh. fashion well people do all sorts of nonsense that's true that's true like imagine if someone had a full gorp core outfit someone's dressed from what head the to hell toe. what the hell does that mean <laughs> someone's dressed from head to toe in rick owens and then they their big kind of statement piece is a pair of tarantulas that fit would go hard but that would go crazy it's it's been a while since i've literally had to stop and be like what did you even say to me just now but uh, i think you're gonna you're gonna have to google gorp core i don't know how to explain okay. it uh, quickly I, 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 <laughs> without, I without kind of uh, uh derailing the show all right I, I will do that in my own time uh <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh Oliver and Francine going to go splits on these tarantulas. $50. If Francine can make $50, then Oliver will pay the other $50. So Francine's trying to figure out how she can get a job. There's an initial offer when they're in the lunch line. Mrs. McGrady offers Francine a job doing garden work for her around her house. And Francine is eager to take it. But then Muffy kind of says, you know, shepherds her away like, no, 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 you don't have to do that. You can be my personal assistant, which 
Muffy doesn't even really know what a personal assistant is. She just saw the term in a magazine and just figures it's something that a rich person would have. Very funny because my wife, uh, her job is as a personal assistant. So it, I was kind of keeping that in mind. And I will say that it's 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 different in the sense of, you know, this eventually ends up with Francine being essentially Bailey, which my wife isn't. It's a, it's a remote position, but it is funny to see uh, Francine at the beck and call of uh, somebody higher on the economic chain than her. It's like, I'm not saying it's one-to-one or anything, but there are some similarities in in the job here. But Fran- uh, Muffy doesn't even really know exactly what to even do. So Francine just kind of ends up hanging out with her, you know, helps her to finish snacks, gives her advice on what to put in the clubhouse, whether it's a hot tub or a treadmill, plays board games with her. And this doesn't sit right with Francine. Now, Francine... And and she's getting ten dollars an hour for this, or it was it ten dollars an hour, or like ten dollars a day. It was it was pretty considerable either way. Like she, Muffy talked her up from eight to ten dollars. Let's just say ten dollars a day, and Muffy is not giving Francine anything challenging, which is what Francine wanted. I my note here is literally. So what's the problem here? Like I, it, well, okay, I, 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 underst- so, well. I understand. The, you know, <laughs> to to go off of something you said, Francine comes from a working class background, and I can understand the desire to want to feel like you've earned money by doing by by performing a service for somebody, which is what she was expecting to do for Muffy, but she's not really. I just I can't relate to it i'll well, will i will eat your food for money please <laughs> let me eat your food for money please this is the most uh ripped from the headlines arthur this has been in a while okay go from kind of one online phenomenon the olive oil ice cream to another online phenomenon that was going viral last week two weeks ago for our non-patreon listeners which is that uh Everybody was talking about how you don't, quote, uh, quote, unquote, you don't actually want an email job because you work for five minutes and then you're bored for the rest of the day. Okay. This was a, a item of discourse a couple weeks ago. And, of course, you know, that's a pretty, uh, I would say that's a pretty blanket statement, pretty mm-hmm. short-minded. It doesn't account for a lot of variation or nuance. And most people would probably disagree with that sentiment. Uh, so, which is why it was kind of everybody was dunking on it on Twitter. Right. But there is something to that. As someone with an email job, every once in a while, and this isn't lately, don't worry, my boss, if you're listening to this, do not give <laughs> me more work. Uh, but every once in a while, you do get all of your work for the day done in 15 minutes, and then you think to yourself, what the hell am I going to do for the rest of the day? Right. And... It's not quite the same as now you get to do whatever you want and watch movies and read books and yeah. all that other stuff. Um, sometimes work that is not stimulating, mm-hmm. right? It's not. It's not that. It's not just that it's easy. Sometimes work that is not stimulating can be a prison in itself. And of course, of course, one would prefer work that is not stimulating. Uh, compared to back-breaking labor or work that is hard or yeah. work, even work that one does not like, yeah. right? Yeah, it's yeah. still rather something that's boring, but you could deal with and, and whatever. But sometimes if it, it work that is boring is still 
still hard in the sense that, you know, you would rather be doing something that you could put your heart into, that you could really sink your teeth into, and that you could be proud of. And I think that's what Francine is experiencing is she was looking for an opportunity to really prove herself and kind of earn these tarantula sneakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's bored by being Muffy's buddy, or, and she's not proud of it. Now, it's not a perfect example because hanging out with Muffy is no work to me. I would do the same thing. I would eat Muffy's nice food and hang out with her and hang out in her massive house or whatever. So it's kind of an imperfect analogy. It would work better if, you know, <laughs> Francine was like processing passports or something uh, and yeah. waiting for emails to come in. But I think that's what they're getting at here. But maybe the Arthur writers are just, you know, they have a case of the old Protestant work ethic. Well, and th- <laughs> to that's... be not working is to be evil or whatever right that's kind of that's almost more what it felt like to me i think what you're talking about is like what the ideal takeaway from this should be is that you know even having an easy job it it it, it still takes away from you but in a different way than just pure labor or like hard work or toil does whereas with this it was it, it felt a little bit overly moralistic to be like well if you're not working at a job then you're not really earning your money i'm just like i don't give a like, just give me money. Sorry, <laughs> swearing a bit here, but it's just like, I've, I would love $10 a day to hang out with my best friend. Like, just to hang out with my best friend. If, oh, man, if, 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 uh, even, even like a semi decent friend came to me and was just like, I'll pay you $100 <laughs> to like hang out with me and eat my food and play board games. I'm there. Bang, zoom, I'm gone, baby. Like, I don't know. Even it, an associate. It, it, yeah. It was, it was hard for me. To, it was hard for me to relate to, I will just say. So, yeah, Francine does all of this stuff and it's not challenging to her. She says as much. So she tells Muffy she doesn't want to be her assistant anymore, especially because they're doing all of this stuff where Bailey is right there. He's doing all of the work. So Muffy has an Muffy, as she calls it. She gives Bailey a week's vacation and Francine takes over for him, which Bailey is not interested in doing. It's He said it's been uh, 70 years or something since he's taken a vacation and he isn't really keen to do it. And in fact... Him taking a vacation is him just sticking around the Crosswire Mansion and he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And Francine obviously struggles in Bailey's role as being Frensky. Because Muffy, when you're not just hanging out with her, she's, if you can believe it, very, very demanding. So Francine has to do all of these different cleaning chores, almost contradictory at times, the amount of stuff she has to do. Um, also, earlier in the episode, we hear from Bailey that he hasn't had a vacation in over two years. <laughs> He's been working been working every waking moment for over two years. It's like 700 days or something. 700 missed. days. That was it. I said like 70 years. I'm like, how old is he again? But yeah, I must have misheard. Francine having trouble keeping up. There's a little scene where she has to vacuum all of Muffy's stuffed animals and accidentally, like, sucks them all up into the vacuum, and then Bailey comes in and is like, you had it on the black hole setting. Uh, and then this comes to a head when Muffy is in a dress that she is going to take out, but 
The dress needs to be hemmed. It needs to be cleaned. Francine accidentally rips it. She also has to print out Muffy's homework and like all of these things while she's bringing her a smoothie that Muffy no longer wants. It's the height of Muffy's rich person excess. And it just brings her to her breaking point. Finally, Muffy fires Francine and decides to just give her the tarantulas. This is right as Francine is like, biking Muffy to school. They get to school. Muffy tells her, I'm going to have to let you go. And Francine says, why didn't you tell me that before I drove you to school? But Muffy offers to give Francine the tarantulas, but Francine politely refuses. And this is where I wrote, come on, Francine. Like, again, I get it. I'm not saying this is inconsistent with what they're putting out. It's just like, oh, this this is that Protestant work ethic that you're talking about. It's just like, literally, here's what you've been working for. And just like, no, that's okay. But it's like, Francine, you could get what you want and then have like 30 extra dollars. Like, I. So this is where, uh, you know, I was having a more, um, what would be the word? Uh, I was taking the benefit of the doubt with this episode up until this point, but this is where I put my head in my hands and was like, okay, Francine, like, <laughs> take the take the damn shoes. This whole thing was over. The, if, if for nothing else, you're saving your father money. It's true. Okay? Like, at this point, you're stealing money from your father for <laughs> what exactly? You know what I mean? So they, they, they didn't quite earn this moment, right? If I'm... Uh, reading the episode the way uh, they're intending, I, I still feel like they they fall short uh, right here. Right, and and you reminded me, Oliver comes by as a garbage man to the Crosswire Mansion, and Francine briefly speaks with him, and he says that like, oh yeah, I took an extra shift so I could get the fifty dollars to meet you halfway for the cleats, and then later on it's just like. Francine, you could just like pay your dad back. You could give him some of that money. Ugh. Anyway, like I said, hard to relate to IMO. But Francine ends up taking the job from Mrs. McGrady. It's just doing, you know, outdoor housework and gardening around her place. She gets $50, she buys the tarantulas, and she has enough money left over from presumably what Muffy gave her to treat her friends to ice cream. So that's okay. I don't mind that. This is also the rare time that we ever see these kids actually pay for their ice cream. <laughs> remember, remember, like, every time we've gone back to the Brains Bombs ice cream shop and the kids are eating ice cream, we're like... So do they, like, get this, like, pro bono or something? Like, is there, like, a tab system? Because we never see them pay for it. So I guess I guess they do pay for it. <laughs> Which their, their entire income, their entire allowance is going to this ice cream. I mean, hey, it's a, it, when, when you're that age, it's a, good thi- it's a good thing to spend it on. And now a word from us kids. So this is Zoe and her third grade class. They're holding a clothing drive. And this is all about the different ways in which the kids are advertising the clothing drive and how they're organizing it uh, from their perspective. Um, Minor production note here at the beginning. You know, I'm watching this and I'm taking notes. And I had to rewind it a couple of times because Zoe, the little girl, is a little soft-spoken. And that music bed at the beginning is, like, drowning her out. So she's just like... 
hi, I'm Zoe, and there's a... Like, and I was just like, what is she doing? What is her name? <laughs> Whose class is this? Yeah, you see this whole process of they make posters for the... Uh, clothing drive they advertise over the morning announcements did you ever get to do the announcements at any point in your schooling career i definitely did and i bungled it way more seriously than these kids did i did not have a giant piece of presentation paper to read off of and i tried to freestyle it and it was really bad will it was it was (laughs) it was it's it's a great shame that i in fact that i'm I'm (laughs) upset that you brought this up because i was thinking that while i was watching this a word from us kids segment of like oh remember the time i did the announcements and i totally choked oh uh I've, i've come a long way since then I'm very sorry. I wouldn't have guessed. I mean, you you are you're such a like an entertainer. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed that you would have struggled with it cuz I got to do this. Well, same- you're you're seeing the end product of a finely honed craft here. Mm. I got to do the same thing. There was a, there was a week in high school where I got to uh do the announcements and that was a lot of fun. I uh spo- I spoiled the usual suspects over the over the PA. So that was fun. <laughs> Wait, how old were you? I was Fifth like grade? I was like 18, 17, 18. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I was going to say. I, I, it was my Kaiser Soze all along. My, oh, I spoiled it on the pod. My fr- my friend my friend basically dared me to do it and I'm like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." Um, yeah, so we see them doing that and then they are sorting uh, the clothes into different bins on their way to uh, to be giving it away. It's funny watching this. Uh, recently, last year, I got to do a bit of volunteer work for a local thrift store in our area, so I'm very fam- I'm much more familiar with the process of sorting clothes. It's not it's not easy, and it does take a lot of work, a lot of volunteers. So good on these kids for much like Francine, I suppose, doing doing the hard work. But this is for for true for charity, so it makes a lot more sense. Hi, everybody. It's Lucas, your favorite co-host from Elwood City Limits. Um, I want to remind you folks that if you like listening to the podcast, first and foremost, the best way to spread the love is to tell a friend who is interested in Arthur or podcasts or animation or hearing about Nova Scotia for some reason. But there's some other things you could do as well. For instance, you can follow us on social media. Twitter is at ECL Podcast. The Instagram is at Elwood City Limits. My pet project, the Twitch channel, which we do live streams on sometimes, twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits Pod. And we also have a Facebook and Tumblr as well. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's where Will has been diligently uploading all of the episodes if they're not on your podcast listening service of choice. If they aren't on one of those services, let us know. You can reach out to us on social media or via email at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Finally, the Patreon is where you can find all of our paywall content, patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. This gives you access to the Discord, where we have a bustling community, as well as some exclusive videos, audio bonuses, such as commentary for the various Arthur movies and more, as well as some of our additional podcasts for the kids, is where me and Will uh, cover all the PBS shows that aren't Arthur, as well as ECL or where we really talk about any show from our childhood that we want. Uh, And most importantly, you get early access to every episode of ECL. You get to flex on your friends that you're getting it a week early. You can join for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And now, back to the show. And now, back to our 
And then it's uh, another Muffy-focused episode here as we talk about Little Miss Meanie. And now Francine in the cold open here is doing a bit of our work for us. We've been casual Muffy defenders, over, especially over the past few seasons, as her character begins to open up here. And Francine gets right out in front and says, Muffy has a lot of good qualities. She's very smart. She's very kind. She's honest. Um, when she, when Francine talks about her being smart, specifically, I really like this ongoing trait that Muffy is really smart when it comes to money. Like, we see her f- f- calculating change and, like, tip in her head. And that's not easy. That's really good. So I really, I really like that she is genuinely smart in that area. And then we see her being kind, helping someone with their groceries, and then being honest to a fault, like about a dress that Francine was looking at. And she's like, I don't think you can pull that off. So uh, rude in some cases, but also very honest. But one good quote. Uh, which yeah. I got to say before we move on. Of course. Buffy makes enough money that she should be tipping more than 18%. Okay. <laughs> when she was talking about like, and if the service is really good, I tip 20. I know people and who are not as affluent as Buffy who tip 20 as a baseline in this economy mm-hmm. uh, at at least 18. Buffy, you know, Buffy should be tipping like 35%. Like, if, right. if you're that rich, come on. It's no skin off Buffy's back. Totally. Anyway, continue. It's... I was like, that's not that good of her. <laughs> like, when they're, we're, we're listing all of Buffy's good qualities, I was like, I don't know if tipping 18% should make the list. Now, at least with that one, it's not that, like, oh, she's so kind with her tip. It's just that she's really smart and can figure it out really quickly. It's not necessarily saying she's a good tipper. It's just that she can figure it out nice and quick. But, yes, that's a very good point, especially because it's probably not really her money. Uh, but one quality about Muffy that is not good is that she loves beauty pageants and she wants to enter and win the Little Miss Crocus pageant and this is becomes an all-consuming interest for Muffy. This is actually something that we establish has had a bit of history with her. <laughs> Muffy is going to a big line to sign up for Little Miss Crocus Francine says, these contests are vapid, cheesy, and shallow. And Muffy goes, I know! (laughs) I really liked that. Uh, So Muffy has competed in these contests before, but she's lost three times in a row. The first time, she lost Little Miss Daffodil because, as she says, it was her gap tooth year. Which is a shame, because I think Gaptooth Muffy, Muffy is really cute. She must. She looks like she must have been mm. like four years old or something. I like Gaptooth Muffy. Get, wow, that is hard to say. Gaptooth Muffy. Last week I watched uh, Robert Altman's Nashville for the first time in my life. Okay. Uh, and the big takeaway was that uh, famous people and movie stars used to have, you know, I was going to say messed up, but I don't actually mean that. I mean, I mean unique teeth. Imper- uh, imperfect features. Imperfect. Well, not even imperfect. I would say real. Like teeth how like a human being have. Oh, okay, not sure. Not like a set of chiclet veneers. Oh, yeah, like veneers. Every famous yeah. person has these days. Every, every famous person these days has basically CGI teeth, right? I know. You're watching a period piece that's in like Dickensian times. Everybody has perfect teeth. In Nashville, specifically like Shelly, the reason I bring this up is because Gap Teeth, Shelly Duvall, um, oh yeah, she obviously she obviously looks incredible, like superhuman, like no one's ever looked at a movie before or since. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a damn shame that today's kind of uh, Nashville big movie, big 
big production. You know, if they were to make a movie like that today, everybody would have, like, perfect teeth. And I think we've really lost something as a society. Putting people with uh, teeth that look real up on an altar, you know, that, that's, that should be something that we return to. And so I'm with you, Will, about Gap Tooth Muffy. Uh, yeah, the, the, the recent trend of veneers is really, really weird. I, I don't like it. Uh, so I know what you mean. Then she lost Little Miss Strawberry because she broke out in hives at the very end. And it's this big cluster of hives on her cheek, very unsightly. And she also lost Little Miss Aloe. Now, Muffy doesn't know why she lost this, but we see her kind of storming off stage and she has toilet paper on her shoe. So I'm guessing that was the big loser there. So... Muffy is entering this. Lydia is also entering this. And we've been talking about Lydia and characters like Lydia. Because Lydia, if you don't remember, she was in one previous episode before this as like a speaking character. And it was the one... Uh, I got, Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I don't remember the name of it. It was the premiere of season maybe 16 or 17 i can't remember off the top of my head and i'm sorry um where brain learned how to use a wheelchair and lydia is in a wheelchair uh she's a wheelchair user and that was another case of something that we keep, we keep talking about this and it's that they keep introducing characters in this show especially in later era arthur that kind of show up for one episode to be part of somebody else's story and then go away after that uh, or really aren't used that much. We got a little bit of that with Carl in the previous episode, but at least he's used a tiny bit more. But like um, uh, Maria uh, in Maria Speaks that we saw a couple of weeks ago, it's like Maria doesn't have another episode after this, I'm pretty sure. So that was and that was like we brought her in to talk about stuttering. And then that was kind of it. And with this one, it's Lydia making her second appearance as like a speaking character. So the conflict here is we, we get it. We get it right away. And it's actually pretty brazen. So we've been Muffy defenders. We've been Muffy defenders. And this is at least initially pretty much indefensible because Muffy takes a look at Lydia being in the contest and she says, like, she's a shoe-in to win because Lydia's going to get the sympathy vote because she's in a wheelchair. And it was like, <laughs> holy crap. Like, I, well, I couldn't believe Muffy said that. This is probably the hardest an episode of Arthur has made me laugh in, like, three years. Wow, really? I, I, I was... I was rolling, essentially rolling in my chair uh, at, and I've, I've showed my hand a little bit for those of you who follow me on Twitter, but I was like, <laughs> they finally did it. Those mad men at the, the Arthur writing room are tackling wokeness. Uh, Buffy, <laughs> Buffy saying wokeness is rooting the integrity of the pageant because they're just going to pick. Uh, the girl in the wheelchair <laughs> and you're right you're right that it's brazen and I was actually kind of impressed because I feel like it's so again this is another weird aside mm. uh, but I was people they announced they're gonna make a new uh, S. Craig Zahler movie uh, oh, yeah. and everybody was talking about you know some people were saying S. Craig Zahler he makes right wing art and other people, I think, rightly corrected them and said, you know, anybody who knows the guy personally, he's not necessarily like a right-wing ideologue. He, quote-unquote, lets his characters be the character. 
Right. Which is to say that if he's going to make a movie about an evil person, they're truly going to be, uh, you know, imbued with evil to the point where you almost want to look away from the screen Mm -hmm. because it's so off-putting, right? Yes. Um, And I feel like in art today, not to say that, well, I think Arthur is an art in a way, but that's another conversation. But I think especially cartoons or things that are made for children are really scared to do that because uh, stuff that's made for kids, you're not just making it for the kids you know, I think there's certain parents out there who are very protective about what kind of media their kid is exposed to and anything that doesn't even have to cross the line, anything that gets close to the line, they're going to take issues with. And I think this is actually a pretty bold move to have Muffy be so kind of reprehensible in this moment and complain that this girl's going to win the pageant because of wokeness, oh, just because she's in a wheelchair. Because it's so kind of, like, off-putting that I was actually really taken aback because I feel like you do, even when a, someone's a bully in cartoons these days, they're in it in a way that's so kind of uh, not reflective of how bullies are in real life. Yeah. The, the, the show is always pulls punches with the cruelty because at the end of the day, it's entertainment for kids and they don't want to freak them out or they don't want to be too cruel for uh, worry that the kids repeat it. I think Arthur, this is a sign that Arthur respects its audience enough that they're going to let Muffy be Muffy. And Muffy, as it turns out, uh, thinks it's not fair that this girl's going to win just being in a wheelchair. So I I think, I was like, bravo. I think this is a uh, earned moment uh, and I, I almost couldn't believe what I was seeing. Well, so I, 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 I do agree with you, and I think that they also do enough to make this something that is not that makes sense for Muffy, but also doesn't make her like a horrible person. So, w- w- yeah, with Muffy literally says to, uh, I think it. Uh, well, it's to Muff- uh, Muffy says this to Francine. Excuse me. Um, yeah, Muffy says that. Well, Lydia is obviously going to win because she's the sympathy vote, and it's just like th- that is. It's so blunt, and her reasoning is very realistically ignorant. And Muffy's one of her lasting character flaws is that she is a very ignorant person because she comes from a place of privilege, and this makes sense, especially from someone like her, where it's just like she doesn't. I mean, as far as we know, she doesn't really know Lydia that well. So it's just like, it made sense that she would leap to that. It was surprising. It's funny we actually talked about in the email the episode where Arthur is super mean to Francine. And when Cash and I were talking about it in that previous episode, it's like it is out of character for Arthur to be as mean as he was to Francine in that episode. But it also is more true to life in a sense because sometimes even if you're friends with somebody they can say something to you that totally takes you off guard and you realize that there is a part of them when it comes to something that has at least has more complexity is not like can be sometimes objectionable. And it, and it happens even with people that you love, like family members, friends all the time. There's just sometimes they have a blind spot. Sometimes they just have a history with this sort of thing. In this case, Muffy doesn't have a history with this. It is very much a blind spot, something said mostly out of ignorance. And in terms of your whole point about, you know, I saw you bring up about S. Craig Zoller. I like his movies, too. And I do sometimes feel like, you know, this this is part of a bigger conversation that I don't think we're going to have here. But with a lot of ways in which 
I will just generally say younger people, but it's also people around our age as well who interact with media and expect it to always say the right thing or else it is seemingly tacitly endorsing the worst Mm, mm. parts that it also has within it. And I just don't think that's true. It's I, I think you have to be careful because obviously you don't want to recreate a situation, let's say with, as you mentioned with bullies, you don't want to recreate a situation in your cartoon for kids that could potentially be triggering to somebody who is dealing with bullying, but it can also get to the point where like bullies in certain cartoons or television shows just like this, this is nobody's bully. Like nobody would act like this. It's and it just doesn't become indicative of real life. It becomes harder to relate to. So it's a very uh, fine dance that needs to be done, or a fine tightrope that needs to be walked. I should walked. I should say. So yeah, no, I, I I agree with what you're saying here. And it was just like it was very shocking for Muffy to say this. And it's worth noting as well that this kind of goes the other way in a, in a sense. I do think that what Muffy says is worse, absolutely. But L- we also see things from Lydia's point of view because Lydia thinks that Muffy is a shoe in to win because she's rich. And we get this whole uh, imagination sequence. We get one for Lydia from Muffy's perspective as well, where it's just like, oh, she's so brave. And uh, it's like, of course she wins. And with Muffy, it's like she's so rich that she gets the best trainers to help her with her act. And then she just bribes the judges with new luxury sedans. (laughs) So basically ensuring that she'll win. And and I'll just wrap up with Muffy. As I said, her reasoning of Lydia supposedly being a shoe in is very realistically ignorant, but they managed to make her not look like a total jerk throughout the episode and up to its end. So there feels like it feels like there is growth going on here. Like, even from the beginning, Muffy admits that both her and Lydia are of equal cuteness. So it's not that she looks <laughs> down on her because she's in a wheelchair. It's just that in this scenario, she is more likely to win, and that upsets Muffy. So it causes her to act, even in privacy, out of ignorance. I'll also say that because Muffy's, you know, this is the element of good storytelling, just to finish her point, because Muffy starts so low... It gives her a chance to rise and be redempted by the episode, right? Just because mm-hmm. someone says something bad, you know, and this is true in real life. People, if they have one slip up or say something out of pocket, their uh, behavior could be corrected. The same can be said for characters. If you want your characters to grow and change, yes, this is a good opportunity to do so by, like, really hitting you over the head with, Whoa, Buffy, what was that? And now we, we can watch her change develop uh, as the episode goes on. And that's why we've come to – that's why we've come around on her is because she – isn't where she started from at the beginning of the series, even though, of course, yes, most of these episodes are fairly self-contained. When we started with Muffy, she was a stereotype, and now she has risen above that in some times as well. She's not, like, the antagonist anymore. She's just kind of a flawed protagonist, especially here. So Muffy is going to try to get Lydia to quit so that she can give herself a better chance. And now, (laughs) here is... Not only do they have... Muffy slowly learn from this. They also give her a much easier out where Muffy is going to, you know, convince Lydia not to uh, 
uh, go through with it. But right as she's about to do that, some random little girl that we've never seen before and may never see again shows up and it says the quiet part out loud. She says to Lydia, you're just going to win because everybody's feels sorry for you. And then she goes over to Muffy and says, you're just going to win because you're rich. So ju- they just invented some girl to get mad at. And we find out later the little girl's name is Portia Demwitty. So yes, very funny that they this. had to do this. Yeah, I love this. I love that because we went so hard with Muffy early on. We had to invent like a more evil Muffy. And this is kind of great <laughs> because... You know, now everybody in Arthur has had their corners sanded off, right? The the tough customers are our lovable buddies. Yes. There's no bullies left. There's no villains left. You know, uh, Emma is is DW's old friend. There's 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 no like true villains left in Arthur besides mm-hmm. the character's own anxieties. So I hope Portia comes back. Because I was like, you know what? This is injecting a little something this show's been missing, which is just just a hateable, evil, evil character. Just an antagonist, uh, a straight up antagonist. A straight up, she's gaslighting them. She's like, <laughs> she's like backhanded. Like she's trying to be nice, but she's like manipulating them. I was like, oh yeah, this is the good stuff. So this brings Lydia and Muffy together initially. As they think of ways that they can get back at her. Maybe they can put glue in her hairspray. Or maybe they can put helium inside her costume and make her float up to the ceiling. But they ultimately both decide to beat her in the pageant fair and square. So Lydia and Muffy put their heads together. They're going to help each other train for their acts and everything like that. They're on the same page. But by accident, Lydia finds out that Muffy was going to ask her to quit. Francine calls Lydia's or sorry Francine calls Muffy's place and Lydia picks up and Francine accidentally lets it slip that Muffy was going to ask Lydia to drop out and there is a very like very very brief misunderstanding here and and Muffy apologizes because she realizes how mean like Portia Demwitty by saying it out loud made Muffy realize like, oh, wow, that's a really mean thing to say. And in doing that, you realize that like when you when we heard Muffy say that earlier, she, even she didn't she just doesn't have the social context to understand like that was really rude. And that's also really in keeping with Muffy's character. Like she as, even in the cold opens, like she's honest to a fault to the point where she's often really rude. She just doesn't have that same social filter, let's say. So by hearing it out loud, Muffy was able to be like, oh, wow, no, I don't want to say that. That's really mean. So she apologizes to Lydia, and then Lydia also admits that she was going to do the same thing and ask Muffy to drop out as well. Now, I guess the problem that I have here is that this, as I said, Lydia's second appearance on the show, we kind of have to pretend that everybody knows Lydia and is, like, friends with her, even though, like, she never shows up and, like, isn't that important of a character. So when Francine calls Muffy's place and Lydia answers, she's like, Crosswire Residence. And Francine's like, who is this? And Lydia's like, it's me, Lydia. And I almost wanted Francine to be like, who? <laughs> like, So Francine and Lydia know each other. Muffy and Lydia know each other. Like, Lydia apparently knows everybody, even though we never see her, which is just, it, it adds to the problem that I have of these uh, one these one note characters. This is at least an attempt to get 
to give Lydia a little bit of extra something, but I still feel like we don't really know her very well at all. It, as I said here, it's a bit transparent that they want to save face with Muffy uh, being the heel, so to speak, by inventing Portia Demwitty. But they also save her a little bit by giving Lydia the same motivation, but they just take the ableism out of it. By all accounts, by the end of this episode, Muffy is cleared, as unnatural as it is. So the three girls perform their act. Lydia does, like, basketball free throws, which is at least consistent with what we've seen before. She's really good at basketball. Muffy's talent, she does, like, a fireworks performance of the Yankee Doodle Boy and, you know, complete in USA Ensemble and all that. And then Portia's talent is ballet. Uh, Portia's act gets interrupted because one of the lights, like, one of the studio lights, like, catches on fire and shorts out. And Muffy and Lydia didn't have anything to do with it, but Portia needs that spotlight and throws a tantrum and is essentially out of the running. The competition ends up with Muffy and Lydia tying for first runner-up. And the winner is a longtime Arthur background character. Did you did you recognize her? Her name is Beulah McInerney, and she's the red-haired cat with glasses. Before we get to Beulah, yeah. is there a running joke in this episode that the writers were just trying to come up with the funniest names they could possibly yeah. come up with? Like, Prezelda Dorfin and Philomena Bexnet? Yeah. <laughs> the, the ones that won the competitions after uh, Muffy did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like It seems like there's there's something going on with these names. But yes, uh, continue. I, think they were I did just, not recognize this character. They, I think they were just having a bit of fun. Yeah, so Beulah McInerney, which is a really strange name. Um, yeah, this is this is a character that has been in the background for as long as the show's been on. It, she's another Maria. I just don't think that she's been named before this. And she wins the uh, she wins the pageant. And uh, apparently is a very good ukulele player, which we don't really get to see except for in the uh, title card. And ultimately, Muffy and Lydia, even though they tied for first runner-up, they walk away from this as better friends. So it was a it was a positive experience, just not in the way they expected it to be. So yeah, I'm, <laughs> this, that ended up being a bit more of an opinionated episode from us than I almost figured in both senses with both of them. Uh, let's go back to Francine's Cleats of Strength, a seemingly rare Francine feature episode. Lucas, what did you think about that? Honestly, I, I think all of the issues you raised with it, I agree with. And it ends up just becoming kind of a frustrating episode in that mm. Francine's motivation is a little too unclear. I feel like the story they were trying to tell, at least if I'm looking at them in the best faith possible, mm-hmm. uh, you know, about how just doing nothing all day, sometimes you want to, it feels good to earn your keep uh, and to do a really good job at something. I, I, I would think that's the story they're trying to tell. And I feel like they definitely fall short of telling that story to the point where at the end, when uh, Muffy's going to give her the shoes, you just want to shake Francine and be like, Francine, what in the name? What are you on about? Like, take <laughs> the dang shoes. Absolutely. Um, I, I I agree. And it's, it's, it's too bad because I think that there is a good message somewhere in here that I just don't think translated terribly well. Um, and that is that hard work is its own reward. It's, it's a very old school lesson to impart. And especially if you're watching it as an adult, it's just like hard work is its own reward. And I'm kind of just like, you know, mimicking something over here. I'm, just, I'm, I'm deriding it uh, visibly. But 
yeah, I, I just don't think it was necessarily communicated too well. You and I had to extrapolate from what we know about Arthur, from what we know about Francine's family, to get to like, well, she pro- she as a character probably values hard work a lot more. But I, I, I think we could have done with like a little bit of like, well, Francine has like two really good outs uh, from hard work here. And she's like eight years old. What eight-year-old wants to work hard other than one written for a TV show? So after a while, it just got a little bit ridiculous. Like the episode is is fine, but it was just a, it was very hard to relate to. As I said, you know, not just from like obviously children here, but it's just like I don't have a lot of sympathy for somebody who's like, uh, no, 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 thank you. I'd prefer to work. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to work. As I've said, I don't want to continue to relitigate that but man wish i had francine's problems in this episode i'm glad that we were able to get so much out of uh little miss meanie i i really didn't see that one coming i didn't really think much of this episode when i read the description of it so um yeah that that really went places it's kind of hard for me to parse exactly how i feel about this i think that it's a pretty good episode i, I wouldn't say i you know, I'm over the moon about it or anything, but I also didn't hate it. And I think you raised a good point in that I kind of respect it for even giving us a few minutes where we take a character that I would say we both like Muffy and then making her very unlikable, like right away. And they do manage to dig her out of that really dislikable turn for her and make it fairly natural, albeit by making up a girl to get mad at uh, in this uh, Portia Demwitty. Um, So that was a really interesting exercise, and I think you made a great point, Lucas. I feel like we really are lacking in antagonistic characters on Arthur. It's, it's, It's funny you mentioned that, and I never really thought about it before. But yeah, all the edges being sanded off and it's just like yeah we have interpersonal conflicts between the characters and their differences in personalities but it's way different than when this show was in the 90s and like Binky was more of a bully the tough customers were bullies Muffy was a little bit rougher around the edges and it really changes the dynamic and when you want to write conflict into the episode that doesn't totally sell out a character you do have to kind of make somebody up to be like the most evil little girl imaginable and so it's not as natural um i do appreciate that they gave this episode to lydia um good try i suppose but i really don't think i learned a whole lot more about her than i knew before so i don't know i i I don't imagine I, I I live to be surprised. Maybe we will see her again, and we will l- learn a bit more about her. But I still think that more needs to be done, and it didn't. It still felt like she was there to fulfill a purpose for Muffy to grow, as opposed for her to grow as a character herself. So I would say I'm a bit like I'm fine with the episode. I have a few problems with it, but I also respect what it was going for in some ways as well. Uh, I gotta be honest. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Okay. I was cackling. I was cackling. Yeah, yeah you, you, re- at, you really uh, found Muffy's, it funny. 
Muffy's callousness. You know, there's a reason. One of the reasons why I like those A.S. Craig Zaller movies is sometimes it's 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 good to indulge in the cruelty mm. uh, as much as you want the villain to be uh, bested. And I do think that you know they don't go too far. They really kind of spike it up front, but uh, Muffy soon. They, once they introduce that they have a, uh, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, they both have a shared nemesis, um, you know, the beef is essentially squashed. Yes. And I just really liked the trajectory of this episode. I thought uh, the kind of whole framing device of having this beauty pageant, um, if I had one critique, it's that uh, Portia, honestly, and I hope she returns... Portia kind of robbed here. If it wasn't for the technical difficulties, she might have won. True. Yeah. You know, it, it's not her fault that that light stopped working. So, you know, I hope we haven't heard, seen the last of Portia and she gets her day in the sun. Uh, she comes back to, to be a menace once again. But besides that kind of, you know, Deus Ex Machina saving them in the end with the competition, uh, I really enjoyed this episode. Okay, well, I'm really glad that you did. I don't know if I'd hold my breath about Portia, but as I said, I don't know everything that's coming, so I uh, I, I could stand to be surprised. Well, that was that was a really interesting one. We had a lot more to say about that than I figured we would, and I always appreciate that when we get a little bit more uh, to chew on with these Arthur episodes. So thanks a lot for joining us for this discussion of this Arthur episode. Now, here's what the schedule is going to look like because we are coming up to our first episode of For the Kids for the year 2024. And as with our new edict, we're stepping outside of PBS Kids and we're going to other channels. And, well, this one was kind of on another channel, but really it was a whole other thing unto itself. So if you're on the Patreon right after this episode coming up next week, you're going to be hearing our For the Kids episode on VeggieTales. There's a big history to get into. I've done quite a bit of research for this episode. I'm really excited to talk about it and the phenomenon that was VeggieTales. There is a lot to discuss here. If you're on the free feed, you'll be getting a free preview of our discussion about VeggieTales coming up at the beginning of February. Then once we are through with that, we're going to be continuing on with ECL in February. And that means we're soon going to be wrapping up season 19 in just a, just a few weeks' time and heading on to season 20. But we've got our last, not our last episode of the season, but this is our last episode with two stories. And we're going to be talking about Mr. Ratburn's secret identity and besties. So Mr. Ratburn episode. I'm always happy to have another one of those come down the pipeline. And of course, as the man himself said, Lucas is going to be giving a try for uh, vanilla ice cream and olive oil and sea salt. And uh, that's going to be going on to our Patreon at some point, the live react. And of course, Lucas, you, you, you have the the cadences and the behaviors for try videos like down pats you know when you yeah. when you're out on the when you're out on the road and you uh, put something on your instagram story of you trying something new like you you, you know reviews. how to make it entertaining yeah, yeah, yeah. you know exactly well what to do. yeah and we'll see if i can put it together where we'll do a live taste test on bike that would be extra fun i was just gonna try to give my review but we'll we'll if, if the people demand it so it shall be done so i will i'm excited to try the ice cream olive oil next week all right, and you will hear about that on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. But whether you're on the Patreon or the free feed, thank you so much 
for supporting us. That does it for Elwood City Limits for this week. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Have you printed out my homework yet on the laser printer? <laughs> we'll see you next time. Who? Why is she printing her homework? This is before Brightspace was invented. Who knows?